What is up, you beautiful people? Welcome back to the Built on Bitcoin podcast. We're covering everything going on in the Stacks ecosystem. I'm your host, Jake Blockchain. And today we have Aki Balo on the podcast. Aki is the co-founder and CEO of DLC Link. And we cover a ton of interesting topics. DLC stands for discrete log contracts. If you're not familiar, this is a special kind of connection and uh, transaction you can make on Bitcoin main chain. It does require a special wallet to use it, but it allows you to kind of like how stacks allows you to stack your stacks and it's just locked in your wallet, but it is being used for stacking. You can claim your Bitcoin yield that way, but it never leaves your wallet. Technically, you still are in custody of it. DLC allows you to do that with Bitcoin and you can do different things. Lending services, you can use as collateral for something else. It's a bunch of different interesting use cases. So we talk a ton about that. We talk about his past as a founder. He's a previously exited founder from a company called Market Muse, which was using AI for content uh, marketing. Super interesting stuff. And yeah, a bunch of topics. We, we cover all kinds of things. Super, super interesting conversation. So I think you guys are going to like this one. And before we jump in, though, I got to thank my sponsor. And especially if you watch this episode and you are excited by what Aki and his team are building, and you maybe you want to get started yourself on building on Bitcoin through Stacks, the best way to do it is to learn clarity. And the best place to get started is start.stacks.org. It's a resource put together by the Stacks Foundation, and it's the best place, whether you're an absolute beginner and you've never done any kind of coding, they take you through five steps from the absolute basics all the way to step five, where you're kind of a clarity ninja. You can apply for a grant from the foundation and build something interesting like what Aki and his team are doing. So highly recommend. We need more devs. We need more people building we're already number one for Web3 projects building on Bitcoin, but let's just solidify that place absolutely so that Stacks becomes the place to unlock Bitcoin. So anyways, let's jump into this conversation with Aki Bello, CEO and co-founder of DLC Link. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. Aki, how are you doing today, my friend? Hey, great, great. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you here. Um, yeah, I'm excited for this one. I mean, for a lot of us stackers, we're, we're waiting for that time when you could bring Bitcoin native, you know, main chain into stacks and use it in some smart ways and you guys airline swap was kind of the first one where it's like wow it's like this is what it looks like when you use stacks as an invisible programming layer and dlc link seems like that next big domino so i'm excited to talk about what you guys are building but before we get to what you guys are creating i'd love to start with this is a new, a new question so i don't know where it's gonna go but i'm curious when was the last time you were an employee. Yeah, uh, it's funny uh, because I feel like, you know, although I'm a founder, this is my second company. I feel like, you know, I report to 
our customers, our you know employees, our VPs, the board. So I have so many managers. I've had more managers in one job now than I had before. But the last time I had a kind of a non-founding job was back in 2013. I reported to the CEO of a high-performance database company called InfiniDB, where we made kind of large deployments for very large analytical kind of workloads. Prior to that, I was at OpenView, where I was the first associate looking at big data and AI doing Series B investments, kind of five to 20 million. And there I reported to George Roberts, who was one of the founding partners. So, um, it, you know, that, those were the last times I had one manager. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. And, um, you know, for, like from my trajectory, I worked at a grocery store, but I was always hustling on the side. So I had an eBay business and car detailing and video production. Like I've done tons of things to try and find my like my entrepreneurial niche, to, like foster it myself. Were you doing that while you were working at a company or did you go cold turkey and then become a founder? Yeah, definitely. So I was born in Hungary and my parents, you know, when I was five, my family moved to the U.S. Uh, to kind of make a you know, kind of further ourselves in our careers and and give us some, you know, better uh, tools. Uh, and so I I was always an entrepreneur. I sold jokes when I was like seven years old. I sold jokes for a nickel. I started a bunch of organizations in, co- in high school and college. I started a small business with two of my friends when I was 15. So yeah, I was always selling and hustling. And yeah, def- this is definitely the lifestyle for me. Got it. Okay, that's very cool. And then when you decide to make the, the jump full time to being a founder and kind of losing that like that day-to-day paycheck security, uh, what was that what, what what prompted that for you? Like this is the, this is what I want to do right now. Yeah. So basically my first job out of college, I worked at a more entrepreneurial management consulting firm called Diamond, where there were 300 consultants, but we competed against McKinsey, BCG Bain. And so we had to be, you know, very kind of savvy and and hustle um i got our six months in i got us an engagement with microsoft which was the firm's first engagement over there so that was pretty cool that got me some exposures to, to some of the partners um but that was still just a regular job and i started reading on on entrepreneurship and and bc and that's when the um, lean startup stuff started coming out that you know trevor uh, i actually went to a course that trevor held in boston like over 10 years ago. Um, but but basically, I um, I knew I wanted to do entrepreneurship or VC. So I left that job. I did a, um, a five-month internship. Uh, and then I got the job at OpenView. But that was still a job. And I was I was hoping to stay at in VC for a couple of years and kind of see different models and stuff. But Scott Maxwell, who founded OpenView, pulled me aside like two weeks into my job. He's like, I like you. He's like, I don't think you should be here. You should be building products. You're like a product person. Why don't you like explore that and come back to VC later? Once you have a couple of companies under your belt, you'll be you know, a better investor too. And so that was kind of like, okay. Um, and uh, and so I did that. I joined, but I wasn't ready to stop my own. So I joined somebody else's for two years. And that gave me enough time to kind of vet some ideas. I knew I wanted to build an AI product that helps society in some way. So, you know, I had kind of two idea, two years to kind of think through ideas. And then when InfinityB sort of like, it, there was just a natural time for us to part. 
And, uh, and that's when I'm like, all right, I'm just going to, you know, jump in both feet first. And it was, it was scary first jumping from consulting to, uh, to that like uh, internship and then BC that was like, when I was leaving consulting, I wasn't, I didn't have that job lined up. I just knew I wanted to do something different or more. I actually took classes at night, LBO modeling classes, so financial modeling classes at night and did a free internship during the day for five months which was great experience, but it was scary because I, you know, I didn't have a paycheck. Um, and, and, and so that was like the first time I felt that kind of horror or the terror of, you know, when you're like, uh, you know, you're used to getting a regular paycheck, it's like a heroin drip. And then you get off of that and you're just like, you know, you're just like, Oh my God. And it is very scary, but that was the first time I felt it. And then when I jumped from infinity B into my own thing, that was the second time I felt it. And, um, you know, I guess when I jumped from my first startup to my second startup, I, I also felt it to be completely honest, but it wasn't as bad because I had kind of gone through that before. Plus like we had emigrated from the U S to hung from Hungary to the U S with nothing. So that maybe that was my fourth, you know, fourth jump like that. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Very cool. And you, you mentioned it quickly, but you were saying, you know, building some kind of AI tech company. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about that, about what, what is the, your previous company that you built using AI? Yeah. So basically I did want to help society. So I thought AI was, you know, force of good. It was very new. The business models were still unknown. I would argue they're still pretty new, still pretty unknown, but I wanted to do something that helps people. So I started in healthcare, spent five months kind of chasing after healthcare ideas. And some of my advisors were like, hey, look, like, it's cool that you want to do this. Do not do this. As your first one, healthcare is super hard. The sales model is, you know, not a meritocracy. Regulation will eat you up. Like, do something easier. So I picked marketing tech, but I didn't want to do ads or, you know, things that are kind of interrupted, even though there's a lot of money in Facebook and whatever. I just didn't philosophically want to do that. So I picked content marketing because content is education. When you read a really good article, you learn something and you you gain as a consumer. Uh, and then, of course, it pays the bills because it's marketing, too. So I, I picked that. And essentially, um, I worked with the scientist, Richard Mala, and we invented a, a way to optimize content around topics. Because long story short, back then, all the SEO, the search engine optimization professionals were optimizing on specific keywords. And we were able to prove that if you actually make the article topically more relevant, and you make the article you know, more informative and cover more related concepts that relate to the, the term you're looking to rank on, that is the most important you know, thing you can do. But there wasn't a way to do that. So we built an engine. I basically sat down for two years and built an engine that implemented a branch of science called topic modeling that would actually analyze your article and measure and quantify how well it covered a particular topic, show you where you have gaps you know, in your content, and that would let the content writers, you know, content editors basically improve the content and it would rank better and it would be more informative. So it's sort of like a twofer. And so I built a company around it, raised 15 million, you know, led that company for eight years until a year and a half ago when I stepped back. Okay. And you said you said you sat down for two years and built an engine. Are you technically minded or did you hire around that? 
Yeah, I've been coding since I was nine. I mean, okay, okay, I coded basic when I was nine, but at 13, I learned Perl, which is my first you know, actual language. Um, at 15, I went to a community college uh, for computer programming, learned C++ and kind of stuff like that. So yeah, I, I was definitely a dev, but I had stepped away from it for a few years. So I had to relearn, like I had to learn Go or Scala and kind of the, you know, high concurrency, you know, um, network IO stuff and things to implement the system. But, but that was cool. And, you know, it was a great experience. I, I wanted to learn it. I knew that if I learned it once, it would kind of stick in my brain. And there's a, you know, engineering concepts have a way of translating to business anyway, in terms of optimizing resources and whatever. So yeah, I basically built it. Um, and then Richard, who I have a co-author co on the patent we have together, he was the scientist, just a raw, like, you know, how, what algorithms are used to model content. And it was a really great, you know, collaboration. And, and I forgot to mention, my dad was a scientist. And so part of my motivation was my dad would create basic research. He has six patents. And I always wanted to take basic research and apply it to a business problem, build a product and build a self-sustaining company that, you know, makes revenues and can kind of live on its own, you know, build that. And, and th so that was always my interest. So that's what I did with Market Muse. And that's what we're looking to do with DLC Link. Got it. Very cool. Okay. And it seems like you have a... You, you like to be at the bleeding edge in some sense, like using AI for content. That's very bleeding edge, especially back then. So I could see why someone want to get into crypto then. Where you're, that's that's the new frontier now. Web three, all these things. What what initially drew you to crypto? What did you find so fascinating about it? Yeah, you know, for crypto, it was a natural fit because I had been also doing like stock market investing since I was 15. Now, I'm terrible. My track record is awful. Uh, it's embarrassingly bad. I think I'm a little too early. And I like I was in Tesla at 25 bucks and I got out because it was too slow. So I need to learn to be patient yeah. and just let things play out, which is a good lesson in life anyway for people like me or dopamine addicts. But basically, you know, crypto was great because it's fintech, but it's like not fintech in the sense that we're not, you know, fintech has traditionally been very hard. You know, hedge funds have a bunch of money, but they're terrible customers. They don't want to pay much. They're very frugal by nature. You know, big banks are super boring. I mean, <laughs> you know, tremendous, you know, bureaucracy, all this regulation. So that's understandable. But, you know, I never wanted to work at a big bank. But crypto is, you know, both, it kind of takes the best of, you know, just straight up dev, like really interesting cryptographic dev, which is always was one, was one of the most interesting parts of computer science anyway, is just security and, and privacy and all that stuff, merges it with like kind of crowdfunding, which was, you know, a great vehicle for getting money if you're a startup, and then merges it with this kind of like push-pull relationship to the financial system where it's like, it's an alternative system, but it also needs to work within the existing system and make it better. Um, and then just the raw talent and the community focus, you know, it's just, it's one of those, like, there's so many people who are kind of, um, what's that term when you, you know, you see the pie like growing, you know, you're not like dividing up a pie, but you're, mm -hmm. you know, you're creating value and, and it's just all of it kind of came together um, plus enough kind of PR to just make, you know, really, you know, ideas kind of lift off. And so it just is where kind of 
all the, I mean, I, I noticed that all the um, SEO reddits were kind of really quiet and a lot of the crypto reddits were really happening. And I'm mm -hmm. like, all right, well, hold on. This is actually great. But like I said, it's just something I also wanted to learn. I had been in finance. Uh, I had been in private equity. Like I, I really actually enjoyed finance too. So like finance plus software in a, you know, in a way that really does help society, you know, evolve and, 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 and you know, the world could be a better place um, with a lot of these applications. So um, it just was a natural fit. Totally. So were you, uh, did you get here via Bitcoin then? It was Bitcoin first and then you kind of expanded outward? To some extent, yeah. So last September, I started just, uh, you know, looking, thinking through ideas. I met Jesse, my co-founder. I had already partnered with my other co-founder, Dan, who had been in crypto for about six, seven years before me. And he had been in hedge funds all his life. So, you know, he was very much like a, a quant, you know, dev guy, you know, great uh, guy to partner with. And so we basically applied for a Chainlink grant because Dan was at Chainlink. Dan had sold the company to Chainlink. So Dan was the head of enterprise solutions at Chainlink. So through him, we got a referral. We applied to a Chainlink grant to build a Chainlink adapter to Bitcoin. We got that grant on December 23rd last year. The next day, Will saw it and reached out. I was like, hey, you guys should build this on Stacks. We're like, absolutely. And we had a, a call in January. We've been here ever since. So uh, you know, definitely been a pretty pretty quick ride, but but that's kind of the yeah we came in through Chainlink. I had actually heard of Bitcoin in 2011. I didn't have the mental capacity to 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 look into it deeper, and obviously I wish I I would have, but that's okay. You know, now we'll just build the next layer on top of Bitcoin. Totally cool. Uh, lots of opportunity. You know, lots of upside uh, on on things that work. That's man, that's such a crazy fast progression. And I was I was taking notes real quick, but who who was your introduction to Stacks, you said? Will. Will, okay. Got it. Did did he know about the Chainlink grant and then pull you in? Yeah, so Chainlink, so we we got the grant. We actually got the grant, I think, uh, in like November. And then we wrote an article that Chainlink posted on their blog and published on December 23rd and tweeted out. And and Will, you know, saw saw that tweet and responded to us, and uh, yeah, uh, I love it. So it's it's all Will. Will gets full credit for bringing us here. Man, <laughs> thank you, Will. We all appreciate it. Okay, very cool. Well, then let's jump in now because uh, we've been we've been dancing around all kinds of interesting topics. But what what is DLC Link? What are you guys building? Yeah, so we're basically building a bridge that lets stacked apps set up Bitcoin escrow contracts. So essentially, the you, like you, you gave us a lot of credit for helping enable native Bitcoin and applications. The, the easiest or maybe the low-hanging fruit way to do that is to build escrow where a user can go into an escrow with the smart contract, basically accept the deal and the lock up their Bitcoin in self-custody, so on their in their Bitcoin wallet, and basically interact with the protocol behind the contract. And then when the smart contract, you know, when they've kind of fulfilled whatever they need to do, the smart contract sends a signal and unlocks the escrow. So for example, if you take a loan, you put your collateral in your wallet, you get the loan, you get into the, in this escrow, you get the loan from, you know, Arcadico, you can do things with the loan, you know, you know uh, satisfy the repayments, 
If you default, then, then Archidico's smart contract can kind of emit a signal and say, hey, you've defaulted, you lose your collateral. So that escrow goes to Archidico. But if you satisfy the loan and, and everything goes great, then they send a signal saying, hey, you've satisfied the loan, unlock the escrow and you get your collateral back. And so the great thing about that is that it's self-custodied. So you're not taking your Bitcoin and giving it to a lender like Celsius, and then Celsius does some whatever, you know, with another protocol, and then it blows up. And now they're like reaching into, well, they don't even have to reach into your pocket. <laughs> You've already given it to them. So then they like grab that and then you get back a fraction. Like that doesn't happen because it's in your wallet. So it's in your custody. Nobody's managing your money in that sense. And the logic is just in a, outlined in a smart contract. So if you want to audit the protocol and see exactly how it's going to work, you can just do that. And so it's very much a trust-minimized system. So that's what we're enabling. And the way to do that, and I can obviously get into more on this, but the way to do that is the DLC is actually what's it's called a discrete log contract. It's a system where you essentially do like a, it's like a two of three multi-sig wallet where one of the parties is an independent Oracle. So one of the parties is you, one of the parties is the smart contract, and the third party is the independent referee. And so we're building basically a network of Oracles that can independently, you know, verify the smart contract signal. So it's kind of like an independent network of referees for these types of escrow arrangements. Interesting. Okay. So you you give an example of like Arcadico. I'd love to I'd love to plug into like what does that look like in one use case? So help me play it out. So I have Bitcoin on main chain and I would send it to an address that is controlled by this the service. So in this example, it might be like uh, an Arcadico DLC swap, and I would lock it up. And then on stack side, it would unlock whatever I'm trying to get as the other asset. You actually don't even have to send it. So if you have a, a DLC enabled Bitcoin wallet, and that's kind of the prerequisite is your wallet has to support DLC signatures, which we're working with a couple to build it in. And I think a lot of wallets will support that in the future. But basically, you can actually just take your Bitcoin in your wallet and lock it up in your wallet by um, there's like a, a flow where you sign an agreement with the smart contract on the other side. So there's an offer and you accept the offer, you lock that Bitcoin and it's in your wallet. It's just locked. Uh, and then basically later you unlock it or later the smart contracts signal unlocks it uh, and then and then it's returned to you. So at the at the very end, there's only one transaction. There's an execution transaction, basically where the funds are sent. So the Bitcoin that is locked in your wallet is sent somewhere or it's not sent, but there's just one actual transaction, Bitcoin transaction there. Everything prior to that is off-chain. Um, and, and the reason or the way this works is it implements something that was added in Taproot called PTLCs. Uh, uh, so it's basically a way to, uh, which is kind of similar or kind of an improvement upon HTLCs prior to that. But basically, it's just a way for there to be conditional payments that and, and kind of payment logic that is only executed when it settles as the last step in the DLC close. Okay, 
So I, so I see some parallels to kind of how stacking works, where it stays in your wallet, but you can't spend those stacks. Mm-hmm. And then you get your, your yield in the future, depending on how the reward slots work out. Yes. So in this example, if you're taking out a USDA loan, for example, do you get the USDA wallet still locked in your wallet and you could go spend it? Or when does that Bitcoin transaction execute? Yeah, if you put down Bitcoin collateral for USDA loan, the Bitcoin gets locked. The USDA is given to you by Arcadico. You do whatever you want with that. And then at the end, when you repay the loan, when you're looking to get the collateral back, that's when there's basically a transaction, which if the Bitcoin is just in your wallet, it doesn't have to go anywhere. But if you default, then then the Bitcoin has to go to the protocol. Or if there's a partial liquidation, then part of it has to go. Uh, So then there's a sending transaction. Got it. Okay. And... um... I've been doing a little bit of research myself on like atomic swaps and catamaran swaps and learning a little bit about HTLCs and how those work. Does do discrete log contract can they be used in a swap fashion or is it more used for this kind of like escrow fashion or can they be both? It it is related, uh, but it is really I guess escrow is probably the best way to put it. There are some natural use cases where you know you might use the swap, but the DLC technology itself actually, so when I say escrow, that's kind of like the more kind of simplified articulation. The DLC actually refers to the Oracle in the process, publishing, kind of pre-signing a set of outcomes. And just so basically computing a set of potential outcomes and pre-signing it in a particular way. And when the contract settles, the winning party takes the Oracle signature that corresponds to the outcome that actually happened. Uh, Like, let's say there's two outcomes, like you default or you don't default. The Oracle publishes both pre-signatures and Arcadeco basically just grabs the signature. Like if if you do default, Arcadeco gets the funds, Arcadeco grabs a signature that's that's a default signature, and then they execute it and they grab the Bitcoin from your wallet. If you don't default, then it, your wallet will grab the you know the signature that is the don't default and then you you know and then nothing uh, is transferred there. So kind of the um, yeah okay it works. Okay, so so again, I'm gonna I'm gonna double click to make sure that I get it and maybe I can help some people. Uh, yeah. So so the the big benefit here is anything that you might have a, a middleman, which we could view as an escrow in some sense. So it could be a bank lending money, or it could be a title company giving a title to your house. Uh, nice. Those th- those things that the the DLC Oracle in some sense is the re- you're removing the trusted third party and putting in code for yes. most of the use cases where that would be the case where instead of going to a title company or a bank you just use code. Yep, and that's the great that's the very 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 powerful business application of this is anywhere where you have a trusted trusted third party custodian you can replace that with a network of trust-minimized oracles that are the referees. So you can build an application where you can actually just have smart contracts all the way, and then the oracle is not just one custodian and their business process, but a whole bunch of oracles that listens to a smart contract where the smart contract presumably has been audited, you know, has undergone a security audit. So you can replace the role of custodian 
with, or rather not completely replace, if everybody were to use DLCs, you would still have custodians, but the part of the process where the custodian has to you know, make a determination mm. on whether you fulfilled your end of bargain, that is actually handled through a bunch of oracles, making that, you know, listening to that uh, system, making the determination versus like somebody in an office, like rubber stamping something or clicking a button. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. So, so I could see use cases, you know, lending makes sense. Uh, title ownership, car, homes, that seems pretty clear. What, what are some other potential use cases that you've identified? Yeah, a whole bunch. I mean, the, the basic ones, they're really basic are things around like proof of reserve. So you can mint a stable coin or mint a non-custodial wrapped Bitcoin where there's you know proof that that coin is backed by your reserve uh, in people's wallets and you don't have to, uh, you know, you don't have to trust, you know, tethered published reports or whatever. So that's kind of a basic use case. Um, escrow is used anytime there's any kind of uh, moving, transferring. So, for example, Bitcoin miners can use DLCs when they're, they're just in the mining process. There's different places where you have Bitcoin or you have, you know, future Bitcoin that is to be paid out. And so you can put those in escrow to show the pool participants, hey, like this Bitcoin is here. You know, it's it's unlocked. It's locked for us, but it is here. It's verifiable. So just kind of think like reporting, kind of proof of reserve like that. And then you get into the more interesting kind of lending, uh, crowdfunding Bitcoin and like, you know, get a little bit of Bitcoin from everyone. And once you hit a hurdle rate, release the Bitcoin. If you don't return it to, you know, the participants, um, options, I mean, anything around derivatives, insurance, options, th- those are all, they all require escrow because you have kind of a, uncertain future. So you need a system of conditional payment. So you can really build this into pretty much, um, you know, most of finance uh, will need any, any kind of trading will need it too. Got it, man. That is super, super exciting. I'm hyped right now. Um, Okay. I'd love to take a slight, slightish left turn. Um, you know, Stacks has this goal of trying to unlock Bitcoin, you know, and ideally it sounds like if this new Muneeb, Stacks would mostly be invisible. Like it's a gas token. So mm-hmm. you wouldn't ideally spend Stacks to buy NFTs in a perfect Stacks world. You would just use Bitcoin and it would just plug in and then go to your hero wallet. And may- maybe now hearing that you're you're somewhat new to this the ecosystem, maybe you don't know, but I'm curious from your perspective, how close are we to having all the tools we need once they get fully fleshed out to build that like, Stacks is invisible. Like DLCs sound interesting. Lightning integration is coming. We're already here. I guess Stacks 2.1 has some more integrations with Clarity. Like, do we have all the tools or what's your take on that? Yeah, it feels to me as kind of an outsider, it feels to me that we are pretty close, but it is on an application by application basis. So it's, it's, it's up on anyone who builds any startup, crypto or otherwise, you have to, you know, create a, a positive user experience. You have to, it has to be easy to use. And so it is just, it, it's something that needs to be built in. So for example, when we first came to Stacks, the first part of our, our, our foundation funded work was to build a, a chain link, um, I guess to finish a chain link integration into Stacks, which is done and live on Testnet. 
And we're still kind of in this long process to get it approved by Chainlink for, to make it production ready. And that's, I can't speculate on that because that is, uh, you know, famously slow. But, but in order to implement that, we needed to, we had the same problem. Like, how do you pay the link token, if, you know, to run the oracles if you're in Stacks? So we created a Stacks link faucet to do that conversion, but that's just something that we as an engineering team, you know, did. And so every, you know, every uh, Stacks team basically can, you know, comes up with that problem and and they, and, and people have kind of gotten around it, which is, I guess it's fine to use, you know, wrap Bitcoin and XBTC and whatever. And there's kind of some building on top of that, but uh, because it is hard to kind of do some of these things from an engineering standpoint, but it kind of behooves everyone to build their app in a seamless way as possible. And I'm guessing for most of the the app you know developers here, that means just taking Bitcoin and doing things with Bitcoin and 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 doing that. But but that's really like a yeah, that's like a usability thing as well. We're not the full solution that enables every type of you know, so uh, basically the biggest limitation that DLCs have, and it's more of a feature than a bug, but the biggest limitation is that the parties need to be known right up front. So when you open a DLC, the parties have to be there. So you can't have other parties like come in later. And if you do that, you have to close the DLC and open a new one, or you have to transfer the DLC, which is an interesting area, but there's some engineering things that need to be built up to make that possible. So like maybe one day DLCs will, you know, apply to most use cases, but right now uh, you have to kind of build it in a, a way that corresponds with the DLC flow. And so what we've been doing just to, you know, be helpful in that tactically is anytime anyone at Stacks wants to build an app using DLCs, we just partner with them and we kind of outline the flow and and you know we have kind of like a shared vision document and and we just get into it and that's been working really well because in doing that there's always like some business kind of logic questions that come up uh, it, which is different for every app but long story short you know it, it is possible we're seeing some of that in the prototyping kind of phase. I don't have a lot of like working examples I can share yet, but I think through the year we're going to get some more. And especially, so our goal is to have a a, a wallet, Bitcoin wallet with DLC support out in July. And Arcadico is kind of you know the forerunner right now. But although there are a couple of companies in the pre-accelerator that might also be you know pretty quick, uh, or Wilson at Block Survey. So we're we're going to see which team gets there first. But one of these teams should have like a working prototype in July at some point, uh, which would be really awesome. Very cool. Okay, you. My next question was going to be about roadmap and what's next. So you answered that. You segued in perfectly. Um, but okay, I got a couple more questions. I mean, a half hour flew by like I expected. Um, last two questions. You were part of a. The Stacks Accelerator cohort two, demo day just just happened. I'm curious how how has your uh, experience been in the accelerator? It was awesome. Uh, I mean, when we uh, the way that came about was really fun. We went to the uh, the Miami Bitcoin conference, went to the Stacks days, and uh, Trevor kind of pulled us aside. And Trevor and Kyle were like, "Hey, you guys should be in the accelerator like right now. It just started three weeks ago. Don't worry about it. Just jump right in. 
And I mean, my pitch was very technical and very kind of jargon heavy. And Trevor especially spent so much time with me refining the pitch and just make it making it more easy to understand and the visuals and giving us so much feedback and Kevin over there and just the whole system. Andrea, you know, we were pitching uh, VCs like every day and pitching each other. And so all of that kind of iterative practice really helped, you know, just make the pitch way easier to understand. Um, and, and so, yeah, that, that was by far the biggest, you know, value is just, being able to tell that story in a more simple manner. I mean, I was even a little more technical in this call than I would normally because of the audience here. But, you know, if we can kind of, you know, the usability, you know, argument applies to fundraising as well and sales. If you can just make it really easy for people to like see the value and see kind of what's in it for them from this new technology, which otherwise is fairly complex and have a lot of moving pieces. But if you could just kind of like, quickly articulate the pitch in like a 30 second, you know, elevator pitch, that's, uh, that's huge. So that's what we're, you know, we're, we're trying to do and, and the accelerator really helped, you know, refine the pitch to get it there. Totally. Yeah. But being, being on the sex ventures team myself, I see like the small tweaks you guys make week after week after week. It's like that, that's what gets it over the hump. But it's, I was curious about how this call was going to go too, because I mean, you've been pitching for months now, and just going hard. So I was like, is he going to be tired of talking about DLC league or how's it going to go? But the, the passion's clearly there. Oh man, I'm more energized than ever. Last week we did a, a hackathon, a three-day hackathon with uh, Albert and the pre-accelerator team. And we had six companies come out. Literally every company that participated came out of it with an idea that could be a viable business model. Uh, some of them were really unique too. And we're like, I'm like, I'm not the authority on this, but this feels like ready. it's ready for the accelerator itself. Uh, so it, it was really cool. And, and and the best part of this job is every day we see new use cases, new ways people are using this kind of escrow concept to build new business models. And just, you know, in crypto, it, one of the problems I've kind of noticed over the you know year and change that I've been here is there's a lot of excitement but some of the you know ideas are better than others. Some of them are more kind of standalone business. You know, some of them hold more water than others, and especially investors are kind of probably pretty fatigued at looking at stuff that is not going to turn into a business or it's just more kind of like an idea. And here we have a really compelling pitch at Stacks: is hey, the thing that was built on ETH or wherever, build it on Bitcoin because this is the safest way to do it. It's the only decentralized you know, system, blah, blah, blah. It's clearly held up in a time of crisis over and over. It's the longest, it, it, you know, like this is the safest way to implement any technology. Take that awesome idea that's worked elsewhere, build it on this, and it'll actually be structurally more sound. And, you know, you can actually enable that using DLCs. Like that's, that just, you know, that gets me up, you know, at 5 a.m. every morning. Like, I, I can't wait to jump in and learn, like, what, what's today going to teach us? Totally. I love that, man. I'm already like, I'm sold on stacks. I've been here a while, but you got me like re-energized just here in that last little minute. So that's perfect. Uh, last, last question from me. Uh, you know, I like to end on this like high note, you know, so if we're, imagine, You've been executing for three years. You guys have crushed it. Stacks is number two or three. You know, it's either right behind Bitcoin, right behind Ethereum. What what does DLC look like in that world? Yeah, I mean, our long term goal is to connect all of the chains to to Bitcoin. 
So we want to connect, obviously Stacks has, it's sort of more of a forerunner in that because of just the, you know, the goal here. But ETH also has wrapped Bitcoin and there could be some native, you know, native Bitcoin on ETH that is, you know, more secure. All of, all of the other chains uh, could benefit from, you know, more connectivity to Bitcoin. Chaining certainly can. They're really interested in that as a goal. So, you know, we just want to enable Bitcoin to be used in all the places. And then at the same time, you know, that's kind of like what we're able to, you know, directly influence. And at the same time, I think more countries are going to adopt Bitcoin. More big companies are going to have it in their reserves. More people are going to have it in their reserves. And and just by that, then the next question is like, how do I get a yield on this? How do I use this for DeFi? You know, obviously they're going to want to do things with it. And and so the I think the world will also evolve and we're just going to see a lot more security, a lot less hacking, a lot less kind of human error and a lot more smart contracts programmatically doing things that, you know, are just going to be auditable and verifiable and, and you know, kind of reduce risk. So I think we're going to get closer to decentralized financial system, you know, over the coming years with this stuff. Got it. I love it. Uh Cool. This has been a fascinating conversation. Is there any any closing thoughts or things I didn't touch on? Oh, nothing. Just uh, if you need to find us, there's a channel in Stacks a Discord, hashtag DLC. Find us there. We're trying to monitor that all the time. You can also ping us via our ad handles. I'm Aki .dl, AKI .dlc, uh, So you can find me there. Uh, and yeah, if you've got a project or interest in learning more, you know, please reach out uh, to me and my colleagues. We'd love to love to talk, through, you know, talk through it with you. And then if there's any other kind of networks or any kind of outside of Stacks, anything that you think would benefit from this or getting better connectivity to Stacks and Bitcoin via this, love to explore all ideas. So please just any idea, ping us and, and, uh, and, and we can explore it together. Fantastic. And I'll have all the description stuff, all the info down below for anyone watching and listening. But uh, man, Aki, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks, Jake. Pleasure was mine. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. I know that things don't always go your way, but I'll be right here. Trying to figure out a way to make it out, make it out, cause I don't think about it.